my parents had an open marriage and were in like a triad for a little bit and I've just sort of like been around it my whole life. My big high school rebellion was being monogamous and you know, I'm not going to sleep with anyone else and you can't make me dad. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy approach to non-monogamy. However, it's important to remember that everyone does it a little bit differently, and the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Additionally, we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please be aware that we aren't doctors or therapists. Consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on the show. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 108. We're Finn and Emma, and today we have an interview with Daniel. He grew up with non-monogamy being modeled to him from a very early age and is now exploring non-monogamy himself. Yeah, it's an awesome conversation, and he's also currently studying to be a therapist, and in, in his own words, he's doing this so he can put himself through male stripper school. So yep. very cool, very great, amazing conversation. And I will also just really quick say that longtime listeners of the show know that I am not the most high energy. Shocker. Shocker to some. <laughs> I, will, I will say that Daniel joins me in this. We are both fairly low energy. And although Emma is high energy herself, it is it is a somewhat subdued conversation. But it's an amazing one. So please don't let you. And neither of those are negatives because. Right. Please listen to it. I anyway. live my life like this every day being, <laughs> being a monotonous drone of myself. So it's not a negative at all, but it's it's an awesome yet subdued conversation. And, yep. th- and thank you, Daniel, for joining us and for sharing everything. It was a fantastic conversation. Now, what were you going to say before I interrupted you? We have a few quick announcements. I don't even think I interrupted you. You didn't. Time, but I did now. <laughs> now you did. <laughs> few quick announcements. First of all, you may have noticed that last Friday on the 24th of January, we put out some new content and it was a little trailer for something we're calling Focus Fridays. And this is going to be a set of topic-based interviews with and discussions with contributors rather than our traditional story-based interview. Yeah, they're so traditional. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So check those out again if you want to know more about it. Either wait till this Friday and hear the first one or go listen to the trailer from last Friday and you can get the full scoop and where you can go download all 10 of them today if you would like. Go to our website, normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Under the courses tab, you can go and download all of them. All right. The other thing we have exciting is today is a holiday. Did you know... Well, not today. Not today. February 1st. February 1st is a holiday. We won't be re- we won't be releasing any episodes on February 1st. But it is a holiday. I call it MAP because I'm funny. But Are you going to try to make them guess what that no, means? It stands for Measure a Penis Day. And you're probably thinking, that's not a real holiday. But it is. It's actually not. It was... <laughs> <laughs> it was well, it is now. It is now. This is the first annual measure a penis day. Mm-hmm. And so this was invented by the marketing brains over at My One Condoms. And they're awesome people. We've been working with them for about a year now, and they've been super supportive of us and our show. And they reached out to us to help try and promote this because 
I mean, we love measuring penises, really. Right. Well, and February is National Condom Month. So they want to do this Measure a Penis Day on February 1st to kick off the awesome celebrations of the month. So what is the whole purpose of this? Well, the reason that they're promoting Measure a Penis Day is because they have 60 different sizes of condoms. So you can measure your penis or measure a penis if you have one in your life. Measure all of the penises in your life, really. Right. If you have a a flock of penises, <laughs> peni. Anyway, the point is get them measured and get the right fitting condom because very, very few people have the right fitting condom. The condoms in the stores aren't usually going to fit you properly. I can speak from experience having used them myself for over a year now. The ones that are custom fit to me fit much better than the ones that aren't. In the words from one condom, the days of condoms pinching, squeezing, or slipping off are over. And yes, we can agree that is very true. And they make a big difference. So if you want to go to their website, myonecondoms.com, use the offer code NNMPODCAST, and you'll save 20% off. And it lets them know we sent you and that we're showing them some love. And that offer code's good to March 15th. There will be links in the show notes if you don't want to remember any of that. If you go to My One Condoms website, there are measuring tools you can print off there, or you can measure yourself using a tape measure or a piece of string and put it along a ruler and then enter your measurements. If a ruler is long enough. Sure, yeah. (laughs) And then put your measurements in their online tool. And they will tell you what size you need. And then you can actually order some samples, usually like one a little bigger, one a little smaller, and one right on. They will send you... I believe for free to make sure that you get the exact fit you need and then you can order away and save 20% off. That was a long talk, but we wanted to get that information out there because we love that they're supporting the show and we would ask that you go and support them as well. With that, let's go talk to Daniel. Let's go talk to Daniel and we will see you on the other side. Let's go. Welcome, yeah. welcome, Daniel, to the show. We're happy to have you here. We're excited to hear your story. We've heard little bits via email, but yeah, do you mind sharing uh, a little bit about who you are for everybody? Maybe like the 60-second overview, and then we can dive into the details. <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, my name's Daniel. I'm, I'm 29 years old. I'm a aspiring stripper slash therapist, and I'm sort of a second-generation non-monogamist um, group at a hippie commune that where that was sort of common and um you know my parents had an open marriage and we're in like a triad for a little bit and i've just sort of like been around it my whole life my big high school rebellion was being monogamous and you know i'm not gonna sleep with anyone else and you can't make me dad (laughs) yeah so that's that's kind of been my my background with this and now it's something that i practice in my life and think about conceptually a lot yeah and so real quick you're a stripper and a a counselor or was he said aspiring aspiring (laughs) aspiring yeah i'm uh, i'm in school to become a therapist um and for a little bit was uh sort of being a stripper in training and that's been put on hold but i'm hoping i'll be able to therapist my way through stripping school once i'm established so that's that's usually the way people do it (laughs) (laughs) that sounds awesome (laughs) Well, that's a different podcast, but yeah. So, 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 so take us through growing up in a hippie commune where you had to rebel against monogamy. Non-monogamy. Non-monogamy. Yeah. That, <laughs> you know what I meant. I should be a stripper. What? 
<laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. I would I would definitely tip you. Yeah, yeah. I so would I. But I, I'm your spouse. <laughs> I'm so. It's not a net positive <laughs> gain, but <laughs> it is. He said he would. Um, all right. Anyway, we're getting off topic. Okay. So you're rebelling against <laughs> you're rebelling against non-monogamy, which is unusual. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the place I grew up, it was like it wasn't like intended to be like a poly commune. It just sort of like um, my mom had this friend who was also a Tantra teacher and had this big house where she'd have like Tantra workshops. And um, she was a single mother and had this moment of like, Oh, my friends are all single mothers. I'll just invite them to call, come all like live at my house with their kids. Um, and so we were all kind of like raised together. It wasn't like um, intended to be super communal, but like the kid, like, me and all the other kids just decided that we were siblings. Like we just decided we were family and like informed the adults. And there was just like, I think because of the Tantra aspect of things, there was a lot of non-traditional relationships around. So that was just kind of the norm. It was never like explicitly explained. They never really like uh, specifically intentionally told us that like, this is not monogamy and this is what this is, right? Like what they did do was, um, whether intentionally or unintentionally, I haven't asked, but gave us a lot of tools that would be really useful for that. So like, for example, as children, we were all taught nonviolent communication, which is like really useful now, horribly manipulative to teach a child because they will use it against you. <laughs> you know, like I, I think I was like six years old when I, I told my mom, like, when you don't buy me this Ninja Turtle video game, I feel abandoned, you know, <laughs> like very much weaponized as a child. <laughs> But as an adult, these things have been really useful. And also just sort of like being in that environment, there was a lot of a lot of things that didn't fit the cultural norm, but none of us were aware of that at the time, you know? Right, because it, it seemed so. normal in your environment, right? Being around it exactly. all day. Yeah. Yeah. So when did, you, yeah. when did you become aware that there was a little bit of a difference in the way you're growing up? Yeah. Um, so I started going to public school from like from kindergarten. And I think I was in like second grade and I was like talking to a friend of mine and I like wanted to go over to his house. He's like, Oh, we can't go over to my house today. And I was like, Oh, like does your mom have one of her boyfriends over? And uh, he got like really mad at me and I didn't know why. (laughs) Um, And that kind of like uh, was, was a little signifier that like, Oh, maybe I'm kind of weird. And then that, so a lot of like little experiences like that. And then also just like, you know, general society watching tv reading books and like realizing that the crux of an issue of the issue like like the drama in so many different uh forms of media was like someone sleeping with someone else that like that was the really big thing and me being like wait but uh uh-huh okay so we're supposed to care about that you know so i think i think that was kind of the the big i I think in general like media was kind of the, the big influencer there that made me realize that what I sort of thought wasn't the norm. Right. Well, and then it sounds like going through high school and when you started dating, you more aligned with those beliefs in a sense, where was that just to kind of fit in? I think part of it was to fit in. Part of it was that like, um, I had a lot of resentment. (laughs) We're going to get a little bit deeper. Um, I had a lot of resentment towards my dad and my dad was very much seen as like a Lothario, you know, like he was very, so uh, my, my dad and my mom divorced before I was born, but like I would hear about their relationship or I'd hear about him a lot because he was like big in the Tantra community and he was very, very popular with women. So like, you know, 
five-year-old me would be like at you know the the commune space and there'd be these women there would be like oh you're his son like tell him i say hi and i'm like that's weird um you know because that's a euphemism for we we spent hours together right yeah yeah and it was like everyone it was like every woman i met in that community so um i had this because i had like you know i read a lot of like fantasy when i was a kid i read a lot and in fantasy um at least in those times like men slept around and women were you know dainty i don't know like put on a pedestal yeah uh and then the men who slept around were like kind of terrible and so I had this idea of my dad as like, like I was very like sex negative towards my idea of my dad and I didn't want to be like that. So I think that's kind of what led me to that route in high school was like, being like, I'm not going to be like that. Right. And you, know? you didn't have those feelings towards your mom though. No, no, not yeah. at all. My mom, <laughs> as much as we like argued, my mom was also, she's the one who raised me. Yeah. So I like kind of like heavily idolized her. Yeah. 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 Fascinating. And And I can definitely see how that would happen, right? That you're, you don't want to be like somebody who, yeah, yeah, uh, it's tough. (laughs) I don't have a lot of good answers here. We'll edit that part out. (laughs) But, um, and so at what point did you start then coming back around and saying that maybe this is a, a relationship dynamic that you could maybe see yourself doing well well, first off so you did have like monogamous relationships in high school like that and you made it known that that was your choice right i mean i tried i had i had one one like long relationship in high school that was supposed to be monogamous and um i ended up cheating on her and you know telling her about it the next day and it was like a horrible horrible thing and then um we ended up getting back together about like a year later and but she was basically like, I had a couple other situations in between that, but like she, that was like my one sort of relationship in high school. And that was, but I was, yeah. So then as Finn just asked, how did you transition then to being a little more open to non-monogamy? Okay. So uh, when I, when I cheated on my high school girlfriend that night, I like called my mom like sobbing, <laughs> you know, I was like, I, I did this terrible thing. Like I, I'm a horrible person. And my mom was like, well, have you ever thought about, you know, both you having it be okay to like be with other people, you know? And I was like, no, I could never do that. You know, very dramatic. Um, but also when that happened and I was with this other person, I found myself not feeling any differently about my girlfriend, like not caring about her less, not wanting her less, just like nothing. I was just like, they, they felt so separate and like, one day I kind of had this realization that one didn't have to influence the yeah. other. Like it did just like the breaking of trust and like that whole aspect of things. But in terms of just like my feelings, I felt able to like have these feelings towards these two different people at the same time. So when high school ended, you know, she was going off to school in Southern California and I, <laughs> because of that, I was very practical. I was like, well, you know, we should break up, but I was, you know, a 17 year old, boy and she cried and so as soon as she cried i was like oh no no no, we don't have to break up it's okay you know um (laughs) but then when she was leaving uh kind of we both had this idea of like or maybe i just had this idea and i was projecting onto her of like we're about to be in college and should be free to like really like explore and grow and have all these experiences and that like seemed very philosophically important to me of course there was like the you know young man wanting to like go out and have lots of sex but like 
it did also seem like conceptually important just from a growth standpoint. Well, right. Um, and for her as well so, to have those experiences too, right? It sounds like it wasn't just about yeah, you. Exactly. It was about both of you having that experience. Yeah, exactly. So, um, we had the idea of having an, uh, an open relationship, which we tried to do and were like terrible at. <laughs> like our communication was awful. Our like, I mean, we were, we were kids. We were like fumbling in the dark, you know? So, so that was like really awful, <laughs> but I, that didn't like make me shy away from like, no, it's not that this concept is broken. It's the execution. That right. Was right. You know? So after that, it was like, oh, I just need to like execute it better. I need to like be better at this, but this is sort of like the direction I want to go. So how did you do that then? So after that, it was kind of like, um, I, I just started dating. I was in, I was in another long relationship and until I was like 21. And then when I was 21 is really where I started like really exploring things and like really kind of, um, like stretching my wings when I came to that, I started dating a lot. I started dating this couple that was non-monogamous and learned like a ton from that experience. And I just sort of like started sort of like, while also figuring out who I was as a person completely separately from relationships, I also started formulating like how I wanted to approach relationships in my life. And a lot of that was through having experiences and being like, Oh, that was cool. Or "Mm, didn't like how that went, you know? And, and also just like talking with people who, you know, I talked to my dad a lot, which was a big thing. And that, and I got a lot of sort of like perspective from that, but yeah, that's kind of how, how that route. Yeah. Went. I was curious uh, and not to pry too much, but backing up to like when it, it didn't work out with you and your high school girlfriend, when you were doing the long distance thing and then trying to open it up, like what were some of the the pitfalls that happened there? Because I think, Right. That was, you could, you could chalk that up to being young and naive, but I think those types of things can happen to anybody at any age when they start to go down that route. Yeah. I think, I mean, and this is one of the pitfalls even now, you know, 10 years later is that I think that we weren't very good at, we weren't comfortable vocalizing our boundaries. You know, there was sort of that like pleasing, like trying people have this idea of like of their relationships as like the relationship. It becomes like a capitalized entity, right. That is like itself somehow inherently valuable. And lots of things are done for the sake of the relationship. And rather than treating the relationship as a vehicle for like anyone, for the people involved to like, you know, grow and learn and build, it's just like the relationship itself becomes really important. And I think that was, an aspect of why things went so badly between between us because we were sort of compromising on things that neither of us wanted to compromise or really like could compromise on for the sake of the relationship. Like everything was kind of done for Mm -hmm. them. You know, there were just communication issues and jealousy and, you know, dishonesty. But like, but I think it kind of all stemmed from both of us feeling like our boundaries were being crossed and not knowing what to do with that. Yeah. And maybe, we hadn't stated our boundaries. Right. Because like, I think sometimes when you start, you want to give your partner, especially long distance, you want to give your partner all the freedom and just say, you know, Oh, you can go do whatever. It doesn't bother me. That's okay. But then really you're human and it's okay to have some boundaries and sort through mm-hmm. that and talk about it, you know, that are fair and um, make sense for the two of you. But it's hard to, that's hard to understand and, and realize when at the very beginning sometimes. Yeah. 
absolutely. Well, I was curious on the on the topic of boundaries and respecting boundaries and being able to set your own boundaries. One one thing we've heard quite a bit in a lot of the poly communities is that unicorn hunting is is unethical, right? And and I think right, just distinguishing that like a single male or a single female or any single person could be seen as the unicorn, right? Like traditionally they talk about it in terms of like a woman, but you know, being, being a single male in somebody else's established relationship, did you find that to be a dynamic where you did not have agency for yourself and that you were sacrificing your, your boundaries and your comfort level because you were sort of a, a minority figure in somebody else's relationship? Um, in some ways. Yeah. I, I, so I really like the dynamic, um, as long as I feel respected, I really like the dynamic of being, uh, a, like a third or accessory for a couple, like being someone who like, they get to bring in to like spice up their stuff. And like, you know, like I, I like adding to their relationship yeah. rather than being a distractor, but it's like with different ideas in mind. Like if this were, uh, if it were a relationship of like, okay, we're going to be like building something like a life partner style relationship then one, I wouldn't want to be like me dating a couple. I would much rather be like, I'm dating you and I'm dating you and you're also dating each other. Like a much more like equal situation in this scenario. And like, like unicorn hunting. Yeah. There, there were aspects of, of being sort of a secondary that were really uncomfortable. Like my relationship with them predicated on their relationship with each other. When their relationship with each other wasn't healthy, I was cut out. And that's a very like disposable feeling, which doesn't feel great, but, but I did really like the good parts of it, which was like, yeah, it was kind of a toy and that was a really fun role to play. Right. You know? Right. But um, like, yeah, I think kind of what you're saying there too is right. Like if you, if you had this craving to, or, and maybe I, I don't know if this is true or not, but like the, the initiation of things to happen probably came mostly from their side. Right. Where, or were you also able to like, send them a message and be like, Hey, do you guys want to get together tonight? Or was, were you sort of having to be the person who waited for them to reach out to you when it was time? Yeah. In, in this particular situation, I, it was more egalitarian. I could like reach out and be like, Hey, I want to see y'all, yeah. you know, like let's hang out. But that, you know, that comes down to again, batteries. Like they were free anytime to reach out and be like, Hey, and I was free to reach out. And as long as it was okay for people to be like, no, yeah, then that was fine. You know? Um, Again, I don't think this is a relationship that I'd want to do. I don't think this is a style I'd want to do if I was building like a partnership. Yeah. But as something fun. And at the time that I was learning a lot from right. it, it was, it was really great. Yeah. And I, and I think this is, and I don't want to drag you into a battle, but I, <laughs> like this is, this has sort of been my, my argument for unicorn hunting, not necessarily being unethical as a blanket statement is that if, if everybody in the relationship knows what it, what the dynamic is and is happy with that dynamic and is free to leave or stay in that dynamic and, and to exercise their own will, I don't see it as a negative, right? Like you, you're saying that you enjoyed a lot of sex and yeah, there's going to be pieces that you didn't enjoy. And, but as with anything, right, that that's going to happen. Yeah, I think I, I, my only um, sort of reticence about unicorn hunting as a concept. Oh, well, there's two. There's like 
if there's like a one penis policy, I just like feel these like hints of sort of like misogyny and like possessiveness there that I'm just like, eh. yeah. like that just like uh, feels problematic. Mm-hmm. And then the other aspect is sort of the power dynamic that like you're talking about. And the power dynamic is not a problem if everyone's comfortable, if everyone's like really comfortable setting their boundaries. So like if you have a unicorn who's like experienced or just like really like sure of themselves and is able to, even in situations of like two versus one, you know, able to really stand their ground, I think it can be really healthy. Um, I think a lot of the problems with unicorn hunting ethically is that a lot of times it's a young woman who is sort of like experiencing this, all of this for the first time or isn't very experienced with like non-monogamy and doesn't, you know, have as much of an ability to set those boundaries really firmly. Yeah, absolutely. hundred, hundred percent agree. Well, and, just to be clear, you know, when you originally said unicorn hunting, I think in a lot of non-monogamous contexts that you immediately think of the young woman, right? But it, yeah. you were more meaning just like the sing, a single person. Sure, yeah. sure. And, yeah. and I would imagine that there are young women out there who, just like you, like they enjoy being that toy that, that can come in and then they can go do their own thing. And I think... And adding to that relationship. And, and adding to the relationship. I think what you touched on there too is the, the one penis policy and that being exercised on both people saying, well, you're our third. Uh, you can't be out, you know, sleeping with other people or having other relationships because you need to be there when we call. Right. And that that's where it can get really kind of fucked up and unhealthy. So, so how has, I guess, what does your relationship dynamic look like today? I don't have very good words for it. Um, That's okay. You can you can kind of describe it. Yeah. Like the closest. Yeah. Um, I don't know the way. It's weird to talk about non-monogamy because I don't like identify as poly. I'm not like this is my identity, right? Or I'm, I don't like identify as non-monogamous. Like non-monogamy is something that I currently do because it feels one like it works for me really well, and two like it's helping me become the kind of person that I want to be. You know. Like self growth is really important to me. Yeah, I grow the most uncomfortable. Right, I'm uncomfortable a lot with monogamy. So, you know, it's kind of like the perfect vehicle for like learning the things I want to learn. In terms of my like, what relationships look like for me today? Like, I have a desire for partnership. I have a desire to build a life with one or more people um, where we collaborate, we grow, we um, you know support each other and direct our energies in that way. I think that'd be really nice. I don't really have an expectation of that. And I'm, and if that never happens, I'm pretty comfortable. I, I really like, you know, who I am on my own. I've, I've put a lot of like time and energy into like, you know, getting to a point of really liking myself and, and sort of liking how I do things. And that doesn't make me unwilling to compromise, but that means that I, I have my deal breakers where I'm just like, this is what I'm, this is, this is how I'm willing to do things. There are lots of things that I will compromise on, but these things I won't. And if, if that works for someone else, then I'm totally down to like explore where that relationship can go. And if that doesn't work for someone else, then I'm totally happy to be friends, mm-hmm. you know, but, um, that's, that's kind of my approach now. And, and, who, and who knows, as you go through life, you might meet somebody down the road that you want to start that partnership with more so. And then, yeah. but maybe you don't. And, and that's, it sounds like you're okay with your confident in yourself enough to be okay with that. Whatever happens. Yeah. I, 
so the relationship I was in when I was 19, it lasted two years. And by the end of it, I like didn't even recognize myself. I was like, who is this person? Right. And I had compromised so much for the sake of the relationship. Again, capitals, mm-hmm. you know. And when I got out of that, I made a promise to myself that I would never be in another relationship until I didn't feel like I needed a relationship. And so that's kind of where I'm at now, where it's like, uh, when I meet people, I have this like big wide range of like, what is what this giant ball of potential, yeah. right? Like, what is this going to be? Um, and that those parameters sort of like fluctuate and end up, you know, usually like narrowing as I get to know someone more. And it's like, okay, this is the kind of, you know, relationship that we can have. Um, and so I'm kind of open to that whole variety. So, and I don't really like the idea of trying to like force a certain type of relationship. You know, I always get uncomfortable when I hear my friends being like, Oh, I need a boyfriend. I need a girlfriend. I'm like, Oh, you're looking for a situation and not a person. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think almost like a comfort too. Yeah. 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 And can you, do you mind talking a little bit about some of the things you say you learn that, you know, being uncomfortable is super hard, but that's where you learn the most, right. About yourself and about what, what you either, what you want or what you need as a person. What are some of the, what are some of the takeaways you've had through like some of these harder experiences or some of these uncomfortable experiences that have like your, your takeaways from those. I think my takeaways tend to be, well, some of them are like (laughs) learning to not take myself so seriously for one, like, and that's also come as like, I've gotten, as I've gotten more like actually confident in myself instead of just sort of like bravado, things matter less, you know, like I, I still feel able to like really love and care about people, but I don't, I don't know. I call it like optimistic nihilism where like, there are things I care about a lot in the world, you know, like, uh, like big world issues. But in terms of my personal life, you know, I kind of always say like, it'll be okay or it won't. And if it's not, it'll still be okay. Like one of the really important things I think I've learned from this is that, um, for me, you know, I've, this is the theme that I've been going over, but like relationships don't have an inherent value beyond the, beyond being a vehicle. And also like, I will find a way to be happy, you know? And if something doesn't work out, that doesn't mean that anyone's a bad person. And that doesn't mean that like, I need to force something to work out. It's just okay. You know, um, if it doesn't work, that's because we didn't work, uh, or what we wanted wasn't Mm -hmm. aligned, you know? So that's a big thing. Uh, communication has been really big. Like, I don't think non-monogamy is for everyone, but I do think non-monogamy will be a communication bootcamp every time. So I think I've learned a lot of skills for um, that are kind of like applicable to my whole life about how to like really talk about what I'm feeling and, you know, where I'm at, but also like learning to listen to other people without, without getting defensive and without taking things personally. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I have a, a person that we dated for a couple of years and broke up, not because of anyone doing anything, but just because, the intensity of the relationship was one I would only be comfortable with if we were moving towards being life partners. And I realized that we wouldn't work as life partners, but we still really love each other and we still really care about each other. She's like basically family at this point. And sometimes (laughs) when she talks to me about guys that she's seeing or, you know, a thing that happened, she's like complaining about it. And I'm like, wait, I do that. Right. And (laughs) I like have to stop myself from like feeling defensive or like taking it personally, making it about me. Right. I just listen and be like, Oh, you know, 
like she's not being malicious. She's not trying to throw something in my face. She's just like talking about something that she's experiencing. Mm-hmm. So I think it's been a, a really important skill is learning to like listen to things that could hurt my ego and instead just not making it about me. Right. Cause it's not just about you. Right. It's not about me. Yeah. Some of those nonviolent communication skills can come in handy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, um, as far as like sexual health and safety, is that something that was, you know, I would imagine that it may have been brought up to you sooner in your adolescence than maybe someone else just going through the like public school system without having that, you know, you called it a hippie, hippie commune, but, uh, when and how were you exposed to that and how have you, um, and was it the right way? Like, yeah, maybe, was it, maybe yeah. As, as advice for parents who, <laughs> Like, looking back, like, would you do that again or? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I don't remember when it was first brought up. I think it was just like, it was talked about so matter of factly, not as in like a, Hey, you should do this, but just not, this is what people do. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I don't remember a time in my childhood when I was sat down and given the talk. Yeah. You know, it was just sort of like spoken about matter of factly, like, yeah, you know, diseases are a thing. Use condom. Like, like when I, I lived with my dad for like the second half of high school and, uh, my only two rules were don't drive drunk and always use a condom from your dad and from my dad. Yeah. Those are like my, my big two rules. Cause he's like, those are the two things that can like affect your life for the rest of your life. So yeah, I, I don't know exactly what advice to give, I guess. Just like, don't make it a big deal. Yeah. You know, just talk about it. Like, like it's breathing. Talk about it. Like it's normal. You know, like not even like, well, I was going to say you eat your veggies and you use a condom, but, like, <laughs> but not even that level of like, uh, you know, making it to be something separate. It's just like, don't pee on the floor. Use a condom. Yeah. Like this is normal and polite. Right. <laughs> Were you, um, taught or did people talk to you about consent and other, uh, you know, relationship things that aren't necessarily always covered in like the, your sex ed talk? Yeah. Um, I think that was actually one area where my parents kind of, kind of dropped the ball. I read a lot of books and I was very aware of the more like direct and explicit consent violations that, um, in my head at the time, only women went through, but I didn't, I wasn't really educated much on like, like I knew no means no. Yeah. Right. But I didn't know this means yes. I, I didn't really learn enthusiastic consent until I was older. I really wish I had. I do know that, like, <laughs> I kind of practiced affirmative consent, like not like not implied consent, just out of like pure awkwardness, you know, just because I felt so unable to read situations that I'd be like, "Hey, can I kiss you?" You know, but I don't think that was something that I was directly educated on. And I actually had a really weird conversation with my dad a couple years ago. Where I think we were like, I was like driving him to the airport. And we were talking about a bunch of stuff, but I mentioned the phrase um, enthusiastic consent. And he was like, oh, what's that? And I'm sitting here being like, no, but you were like the cutting edge of this for like your generation. Right. And and when I explained it to him, he's like, oh, yeah, like, that's cool. That makes sense. You know, but uh, that was never something that was like explicitly taught to me. Yeah. Like he had never heard that term necessarily. Yeah. It also made me terrified for like when I'm that age, like what I'm not going to know, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You try to be educated and you try to be as progressive, you know, moving through life, but there's some things you can't control. <laughs> yep. Right. Well, and, and, and to be fair, like that doesn't necessarily mean that he wasn't 
practicing practicing that he just didn't have a he didn't have a label for it right and yeah so yeah yeah <laughs> for sure it, it's to we get a little bit personal i guess it I guess all of this is personal, but, um, <laughs> it sounds like you you're in a much better place with your dad these days than you were like when you were a little kid. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, you know, uh, he, when he showed up, he showed up really well and he tries really hard and cares a lot in his own, you know, particular boomer way. <laughs> and, and he's also been someone I can talk to about this for a long time because he's not great at like assuaging my fears but he is good at putting them in context, you know, and we've had a lot of similar experiences. I just had them earlier in my life than he had them in his. And that that's actually been like a really great source of comfort. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. No, it's amazing. How about being out to people? I mean, it sounds like you are pretty out, but have you, yeah. I, is it pretty well known that you, the way you grew up in the, your relationship style and all of that throughout your friends and family? Yeah. I mean, I kind of the same thing as, as I was talking about with like, you know, talking about condoms is I don't, I don't make a big deal of it. I never like came out. I mean, I'm also a, a white dude living in California. So like I have a lot of privilege here and like a lot of like safety to, to be yeah. out, especially in the Bay Area. So I don't know that the way things have happened to work out for me is the way they would work out for everyone. I wish it was. But yeah, I, I just sort of talk about things like they're normal, you know, oh, this partner, this party, oh, I'm going on a date with this couple, you know, like I get excited about things and talk about things the same way that sort of like, I guess a, a normal person would talk about like a date they're going on, right? you know? Yeah. I, I guess I've just like normalized it as part of my speech. So people are pretty aware, but there's no like coming out thing. Yeah. If someone wants to ask about something, then they I was going to say, yeah, like you, you know? have, you create an environment where people could ask follow up questions if they wanted to. Yeah, exactly. And so how do you meet couples like that? Right. So that would typically fall. It seems like under the like swinging, probably, probably in that swinging realm of things. And like, I guess, how do you meet people? And maybe do you have any advice for, I mean, this, the single guy game, right. So to speak is, is a tough one to navigate sometimes. So maybe if there's any tips or tricks besides being a stripper, <laughs> um tips or tricks yeah i mean i mostly meet people that i've met off of dating apps i'm really bad at meeting people in the wild and i think part of that is because i'm able to be like here here's here's all the things about me on like a dating app like non-monogamy uh you know just like I, just all all the information that someone might want you know i guess i guess that's the advice that i could give is be really honest on your on your profile for dating apps. Like don't, you know, everyone wants to stand out, but like what stands out in my opinion is like, if you read of someone's profile and you're like, this person seems really genuine and like a whole, like a whole person, you know, they're not just like seem like they're here for sex. They're not just like really trying to like convince me that they're, that they're a certain way. They're just a whole genuine person. I think that's something that I find really attractive and that I've been told is something that uh, catches people's eye in terms of like couples and stuff like that, like word of mouth, um, go to events. You know, I, that's been something that's really big for me is like getting part, becoming part of sort of like these communities in the Bay area, but really is like the, the biggest thing comport yourself in a way that, that you have a reputation as someone that is 
trustworthy, that you won't make it weird, that you won't be aggressive, that, you know, except by request, but like, <laughs> you know, like, just, just make sure that, that you walk the walk because single guys have a pretty poor fr- reputation and very understandably so. Like, I get it. I've been part of that couple that's like, oh man, would really love a guy to join us. But like, yikes. You yeah. know, it's just like going through these profiles or like meeting people and just be like, yikes. Like, don't, don't message the woman behind. Like, if, if, uh, you know, communication has been established in like a group setting, don't start messaging people behind people's backs. Like, just all, all the things. Like, comport yourself well. And be respectful. Instead, you what doors open up for you, you know? Cause like there is a desire for single guys in a lot of situations. There, there is a want for that. Y'all just make it real scary. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's true. So, yes. It's intimidating. I mean, even just yeah. like searching for another couple is intimidating enough, let alone like trying to search for a single male because yeah, they unfortunately get a bad name and, and you need the more and more people out there being respectful, doing the right thing. Cause it'll slowly, hopefully start changing some of that. How about do you moving forward in your life? Do you see a path? Like, do you think you'll ever go back to monogamy or I know you talked a little bit about you would be open to a long-term partnership if that happens, but would you consider going down the monogamous route? I mean, I don't know. In f- five years ago, I hated blue cheese, you know, like, and now I'm so assuming you don't, I can, <laughs> Oh, now I'm, now I'm okay. <laughs> now I you fucking know, really fun. hate it. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly. See, things change. Okay. Um, but yeah, so like, I'm not going to say I'll never be monogamous. Right. I could be. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, I don't know. The idea, I mean, sort of using that as a launching point for the idea of long-term relationships. Because um, people also, like a question I've gotten a lot in my life is like, you know, what about kids? What about yeah, marriage? Of course. You know, and... And I think about that stuff a lot, you know, I mean, aside from anything else, I don't know that I want to have my own kids. I think I'd love to adopt, but you know, right at this moment in time, I, I know that I'm a little bit too selfish to have kids cause I am not willing to put a child's wants ahead of my yeah. own, but in general, like, yeah, that could be a thing I want someday. The area where that gets a little bit dicey when it comes to relationships, and this isn't monogamous, this isn't not monogamous, this is just relationships in general, in my mind, um, is that to me the health of a relationship kind of depends on its ability to end anytime a healthy, a healthy relationship has to be able to end. You know what I mean? It, it's only healthy if everyone actively wants to be in it. And the more barriers to it ending, the more not necessarily unhealthy it is, but potentially unhealthy. So because of that, you know, like I don't like in terms of marriage, I don't ever want anyone to stay with me when they don't really want to be with me because it'd be really inconvenient to break right. up. Or expensive. You know, take a lot of yeah, money. yeah, expensive and yeah. So I'm not opposed. I don't, and I don't think it's impossible to have kids or marriage in a non-monogamous relationship. I think that can be really wonderful. I think it's something that I'd only be comfortable doing with a relationship that felt like it had really healthy ingredients. Like a, um, you know, I mean, like just, yeah, just like if I if I connected with someone, I was like wow, you have these amazing communication skills and we're able to communicate really well and able to like, you know, hold space for each other when we don't communicate well and able to like, you know, do all these things, like feel all our emotions and work out, you know, all this stuff. Then, then I'd be like, okay, this does have potential for like life partnership. 
not creating an expectation for that, but it does have potential. Like the person who, you know, stop in a second ago, like that's someone who I, I feel really like, again, no expectations, but just like her and I, I feel like the ingredients are there. And one of the main ways that's been demonstrated was with the, the term, I love you, which is like, to me, a very like loaded term. It's a little bit uncomfortable for me. Cause I feel like there's so many implications and promises attached to yeah. it. Like, you know, with us, we've been using that phrase with the initial disclaimer, the first time it was said of, this is an expectation. This is just an expression of feeling. Yeah. You know, I'm expressing how I feel right now. Like you, you saying that doesn't mean that there's an expectation of marriage and kids within the next two years type thing. <laughs> yeah. And well, it doesn't even mean that there's an expectation that I'm going to be feeling that same way. Tomorrow. Right. It just, right in this moment, I feel all these things for you. So, so yeah, in terms of like long-term, uh, I do think it's possible to have kids and have a, non-monog- a healthy non-monogamous relationship. I think, again, it just it really takes that little extra something to make that relationship work well and be healthy mm-hmm. because the stakes are higher. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. And um, I guess switching gears a little bit, I know you can choose to mention this or not, but you had an, in your email. Wait, hold on. You skipped right over bloopers. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> if, you're, if you're willing to share any funny or comical stories, maybe to take us into the ending, that'd be great. I don't. I don't know that I have. I mean, nothing comes immediately to mind. I, it is more of just like those situations that you like, kind of expect to be terrible, but because or just complicated, like. There was a time where I was going to a kick party and I had like planned to go with one of my partners. And then another partner was like, Hey, are you going to this thing? Cause like, I'm going to be there. And I was like, yeah, I'll be there. You know? <laughs> like I'll be there with, with one of my, with this other person. She's like, okay, cool. And then I had a third partner who was like, Hey, I heard this event was coming up and I'd really like to go. And I'm sure for some people like in the, the sort of like hustler fantasy, that'd be this like dream scenario and for me, it just meant that I was, like, running all over the club the entire night, like, trying to make sure everyone was comfortable and, like, having a good time and didn't really, like, at all, like, have my own experience there. Yeah. Um, like, right. your attention was split, like, three different ways throughout the night. Yeah. And not none and, of it was on, like, you having a good time. Yeah, like... I don't even remember how it sort of, like, the initial scenario happened, but, like, yeah, so... And we all ended up, like, driving there together and... Like, it ended up being fine. Oh, and then that was what it was. And then another, someone I'd hooked up with the night before, the night before, like, showed up at the event as well. (laughs) So, yeah, it was just, like, it's the juxtaposition between, like, the sort of, like, fantasy and what the reality looks like is almost funny to me. Well, I think it's hilarious, and I can also see everybody playing the world's smallest violin for you, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Hey, hey, you asked for awkward stories. I that know. is awkward. I know. It can be awkward at least. <laughs> All right. Go ahead, Emma. I'm sorry I cut you off. What I was going to ask is that you said you were um doing some research that you might want to talk about. Is that something you want to talk about or not really? Oh, um, so haven't gotten into the nitty-gritty of that yet, but there's I don't know if I can like shout out the exact name of the study, but we're doing some study or some, some research into uh, the overall umbrella is queer intimacies, which includes, you know, um, includes kink relationships, non-monogamous relationships, sort of any relationship that sort of falls under the umbrella of queer. 
or just like, you know, not the societal norm. And yeah, I was, I was going to, when, when we talked about that, I was, I was going to see if anyone was interested in like reaching out with their stories, but I'm not sure we're at that point in the process yet right now. So I will put a pause on that for now. Yeah. yeah. Well, what we can do is when you get to that point, uh, we will make a shout out, uh, you know, during an intro or something and, and we'll hook you up with whatever we, we can help do. So everyone be forewarned that's coming. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Thank so, you guys. I really cool. appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, of course. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap up? Yeah. I, okay. I guess, I guess one thing is like, I'm not saying I'm any kind of like expert on this subject, but I, I do want to sort of like, I don't know if give advice is term, but give my thoughts, which is that um, for anyone who wants to get into non-monogamy, who, who something about it calls to them, really, really think about what it is you want out of it. If, if it's just, if it's sex, if, if that's your focus, that's great. But just like if you want more of an abundance of love in your life, that's great. It's just like, cause, cause for me, it took me a while to like really realize what I value in it and what, what I get out of it. And, and what that is like, I really, I really uh, am attached to the sort of the tenets of it, the ideals of it, you know, the ability to love more than one person, the, the, the radical honesty that's involved, the, sort of conversion and lack of possessiveness, the idea that like really taking joy in the joy of people I, I love and care about. Um, and figuring that out really helped me approach it in a healthy way. So for anyone who's like thinking about it, trying it, doesn't really like, you know, it's just sort of like dipping their toes. I would just say like really take the time to think about what it is you want out of it beyond just the physical. Cause, um, there, there's a lot here. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that's great advice. Yeah. Um, and I think with that, we'll, I don't know if you're looking at me or looking outside. I'm staring right at you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for reaching out to us and coming out and sharing your story. And we'll, we'll definitely be in touch and let us know when to shout out for people to contact you too. Cool. Thank you. And yeah, awesome. thanks for let me talk at you guys for a while. Yeah, no, no, it was great. We appreciate it. And we'll, we will be in touch and we'll uh, talk soon. Thank you. And we're back. Right. We are. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks Daniel for reaching out to us, coming on the show and sharing your story. It was amazing talking to another person. I mean, we've talked to a few other people that grew up in a non-monogamous household, but it's always amazing to get your point of view and hear how that was growing up and spoiler alert for anybody who's still listening daniel said that after we're or after he told his dad that he was coming on the show his dad said well they should be talking to me not you and then he said well how about we do the show together and so stay tuned there may be an episode where we interview daniel and his father on the same show yep that would be pretty awesome all right, with that, we will maybe really quick just remind you if you want to save $10 off on your full panel of STI tests at stdcheck.com, we would greatly appreciate it. It helps support the show and it helps support the community of practicing safer sex. So please do that. There are links in the show notes as always. And we will see you on Friday for Focus Friday. Yep, this Focus Friday, our first episode will be out on Friday. And then next Wednesday, back to our regular scheduled programming, an interview with Sarah and Ed. Yes, 
We will see you then and have a wonderful two days until we see you next. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening.